welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live, possibly, from a couple of places on the internet. We're live yes. on Facebook, we're live on YouTube, we're live on Twitch, we're live on X slash Twitter. Maybe you're listening later on Spotify, Stitcher, or Android, not Stitcher, that doesn't exist anymore, Apple, or the app of your choice. Wherever it is, we're excited to have you here. And hey, I'm just excited my internet is hanging out for the moment. We'll see what happens. It's, oh, it's you're already. Yeah, us. it's it's medium hanging out. I feel, I feel like we're hanging out. Yeah, but maybe not fully hanging out. Oh, boy. All right. Well, you guys could just jump in at any second and start hosting the show. We've right? been training for this our whole life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's no problem. No stress, Alex. Just if your internet goes out, take a nap. Take yeah. a quick nap. Oh, great. Just That's so honestly you know. what I'm doing mostly during the show anyway is taking a nap. So, oh, so I, I knew. how dare you? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's because you guys, your beautiful dulcet tones lull me to so. sleep. Yeah. And when I get really interested, I fall asleep. That's a lot of zoos play our podcast to put their um, most wild animals. A lot of zoos. A Morning lot zoos? of zoos. Morning zoos? Zoo crews? Yep. You're, yeah, zoo crews. You're, how many zoo crews actually work at zoos? Because that's fucked up if there isn't a single. I mean, that would be great. That is that is a pitch. You got to go to Z100. That'll, yeah. That. I demand <laughs> you work for a zoo. I have the sign already made. I'm going to start uh, picketing out front. Yeah. Elvis Durad, where's your giraffe? Oh, I just went for puberty. All right. What do we stop doing this and bring in the oh, guest? I thought that was a character. Very briefly it was just internet. actually <laughs> Just some internet that seems to be working for the moment here. Our first guest is one of the guys behind Blitmap. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Sapino. Hey! Hello, Chris. Hey. <laughs> Hi. Hi, <Just> welcome. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, you are, as it says there on the bottom of the screen, the co-founder of Sup Inc., which, okay, so I, I'm going to get the corporate structure Sup a little wrong, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sup Inc. is Blitmac, which... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, can ex- I, yeah I can explain it. So, well, the first okay. thing is, Company's not named after me. I just like I know when you see, you know, the, yeah, it's basically one letter off. It was just we we thought it was a cool name for a company, and it ended up coincidentally being my name. But um, yeah, yeah that's that's dicey. Yeah, so that's just dicey. getting that out of the way. Um, but uh, yeah, basically, uh, we're a, a studio based out of New York, um, and I've we folk, yeah, pretty cool place. Um, Big place. Yeah, the best place. Um, and uh, we work on, you know, kind of creating uh, worlds uh, and seeing how we can kind of use technology to, you know, express those things. Um, and one of the kind of, you know, worlds we work with is this public domain one called Blitmap, um, which was started by um, some members of SUP before SUP existed um, and released into the public domain. And as this entity, you know, SUP Inc., we, you know, do these sponsored contributions to it just to kind of move the public domain and, and kind of uh, contribute to it. Because um, we kind of believe that um, there's something really interesting in that kind of open source kind of uh, space mm-hmm. where, you know, we're building these worlds, but people are free to kind of create with them, you know, how they want to create with them. Um, and, uh, yeah, the Blitmap comic that we're releasing or that we've released is is the our first kind of, you know, mainstream, you know, public kind of um, contribution as this company to that. 
So cool. you started with the idea, uh, tell me if I get any of this wrong, but you yeah. started with this idea of like, you've got the sci-fi world, you've got these different factions in the sci-fi world. So you've got this mythology laid out there. As you yeah, said, yeah. you've got a comic book uh, that's come out the first issue, but the idea you're calling it open source, but essentially it's public domain, right? Like you've created yeah. these ideas that everybody can use it. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically, yeah, we just kind of think it's interesting um, when you have kind of that mythology and you have that world and you have that, you know, ability to, um, you know, become a fan of it, but then, you know, use it how you want in a way. Um, and so our stories are, you know, our, our, our take on it, but we're curious to see what other people's would be, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So when you're, when you're working on something like this with such a, oh, you want it to be sort of as open as possible. Yeah. How do you put down enough roots into sort of the ideas on the table for people uh, that they have something to go off of, but still the freedom to go sort of where they want? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we thought about this a lot. I think I think one of the things is when you when you get too specific and you get too detailed and then like people try to create with your, you know, in your world and, and things like that. And and they feel like they're they're more often wrong than they're right, or someone's, you know, pointing out that they're wrong. I mean, you get that with, they think, Lord of the Rings a lot, where they have, um, mm. I always mispronounce it, but it's like the Summerillion. Um, and like, yeah. you, you have this Bible of information, and for the people that haven't read it, they feel a little bit hesitant to get into it. Um, and so for us, I think it's like, you know, strong themes, good world building, um, some constraints, um, but generally kind of, you know, um, not overwhelming you, you know, not making you feel like there's not, uh, you know, that there's a correct and wrong way, you know, to, to create. Um, so for us, I think, you know, our story starts out, you know, pretty simple and depth gets added and kind of more complexity gets added over time. But at a certain point, you might feel that you want to take the story in your own direction um, and, you know, branch it earlier than, than not, or, you know, kind of you like one path of the story more than another or one area of the universe more than another try to leave it kind of open, um, which is like this tricky balance. Cause you kind of, um, you want to avoid being vague. You want to avoid being shallow, but you also want to give people that breathing room to create. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting kind of, it, it's been a really interesting kind of thought process around like what, what is too much and what is too little kind of thing. As you release things, the like this comic book, which uh, I read earlier today, and it's very fun. The art's gorgeous yeah. throughout. Yeah, really uh, but there's uh, obviously events that happen in this comic book. Are those then considered canon? And then when you're looking at that comic book going forward, that's kind of what it is. Or do you look at this as just another aspect of the world's the comic? I think I think for us, we have a canon for our own. You know, for our own creation, when stuff makes things, we have a canon to some extent. Um, I think when it comes to whether or not the community wants to adopt that canon, I think right now the answer is like, yeah, of course, because this is the highest fidelity thing that's been created. But if you look at like things like Slenderman or other kind of things that were born out of this, mm -hmm. you know, not very, you know, clear hierarchy around like who owns it and, and things like that, you, you see that like as fidelity increases, uh, canon kind of increases with it. So like, um, you know, originally Slenderman was like a bunch of memes and, and things like that and imagery that were easy to kind of duplicate. Um, nightmares. but then the minute that nightmares, right? Yeah. Like, um, but the minute that someone 
brings it to the next level and adds, you know, a little bit of a narrative to it, maybe creates a, a comic or creates a YouTube short or eventually creates a movie or eventually creates a game for each of those kind of increases in fidelity rules were added and mm -hmm. uh, you know, what Slenderman can do, what they can't do. And you kind of saw the community adopt those as like fact, just because, yeah. you know, that was the most widely consumed, you know, the higher the fidelity is, the more, I guess you could, you could, assume it gets a little more mainstream, maybe a little easier to digest. So then you kind of like believe that people know the same things as you because they've consumed the same things. And canon is kind of born out of that, I think, a little bit when it, in, so, in this space. But yeah. That's great. I, I, I love this idea because it, it I feel like so much of fan culture is built around like, well, what is the story? And then yeah. to sort of have that be a, in your head as you're starting out, it's great. In in light of that, and with this comic in mind, what are the canon elements that are at play? And, and maybe tell us about the comic as you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. So I think our story kind of takes place in the middle. It's not the beginning. It's not the end. Um, it takes place in uh, a world that feels very, you know, local uh, and tight, but, but maybe not um, small. So like a good example or something analogous is maybe like Hogwarts. Like it's just a castle, but actually it's pretty dense. Like there's a lot going on there. Um, you don't even, you're not even really wondering, like I wonder when they get to go to other planets in Harry Potter, like there's enough in that one kind of locale that you're <laughs> like, you're like, okay That's really funny. Yeah. I'm a big Harry in space proponent. That's like I think, my thing. I, I think they should. I Yeah. What was it? Oh, Spelljammers, like the D&D module where they go into space. And mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, but um, yeah, for us, I think, um, you know, it takes place in a solar punk world. Um, there's two factions, two core factions, and we get into some kind of um, like core stories that we believe are maybe, you know, for us kind of a whole a hall, become hallmarks of like our storytelling, you know, this kind of tension between this bullet knot faction and this logos faction um, and um, kind of, you know, the relationship between those characters and kind of the insecurities between them as they start to become friends, as they start to become enemies, as they start to face kind of, um, you know, I, they start off and they hate each other and they hate each other just because they're kind of told to hate each other. And as they get to know each other, they realize they're pretty similar. Um, and they're maybe, you know, they're, they're, without giving too much away, they kind of realize that they have a lot more in common than not. Um, and I think canonically, like for us, the only thing we would say that's like so canonical is like the names of the characters, the locations. Um, and uh, that that's what we kind of are, are behind, you know. Um, and then eventually it's a six issue arc. So the overall, you know, story of what happened and like key events and things like that. But I, I don't, I think that's probably too early to say, you know, exactly what sticks mm. and what doesn't. Talking about the release of the comic book a little bit, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I believe you've taken variant covers to the extreme and every cover is different, which yeah, seems yeah. challenging. Yeah, yeah it was really, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have you. I uh, have you gotten a mm -hmm. chance to take? A, okay, so you've opened a f maybe a few of them, or or not? Yeah. Or, okay, yeah. So, yeah, basically every cover is unique. So every printed cover is unique. Um, wow. Like I have, 
Can I open one now? Is that like weird? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. It's an unboxing oh, video. Yeah, yeah. I'll open two. This is going to crush like on 2002 internet. Yeah, right? <laughs> there we go. You have no idea what's in there. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is like one. Comes in this like foil pack. And then... Wow. Sorry, the noise. It's probably terrible. Um, right. It's part right. of the experience. Yeah, so this is like <laughs> one kind of, you know, cover. It's a, a Liz regular. So there's kind of these templates in a way. Um, and then like, I hope I don't get another Liz because that would kind of break. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So I get, this is like actually super rare cover. Um, yeah. So this is like a, a duo cover. Um, Ooh. There's, oh. uh, two of the characters together and there's not many of these. So it's kind of crazy that I pulled that, but um, sick so, pull, ah, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, <laughs> Doesn't, it feels good, but it's not as good when you made it. You know, it's like when when yeah. Willy Wonka like, opens a candy bar and gets a golden ticket, he's like, yeah, of course. That, but that, when a kid <laughs> does it, he's like, that would be a cool story. Cut. Willy Wonka yeah. pulls the golden. He becomes one of the yeah. That's Wonka good. coming mm. soon to theaters. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, Get rave reviews from the early reviewers, right, Justin? Uh, I have not seen it, but I won't and fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, um, uh, yeah. can, can I ask you a question? Not about the covers necessarily, yeah, but on. getting back to sort of like the content thing. So yeah. you have a discord. I assume there's a lot of chatter going on in the discord where it's a slender manification of this property like you're mm. talking about, yeah. but what about policing it? What about when somebody, I don't know if this has happened, but when somebody potentially takes things too far in a direction that you are not comfortable yeah, with? Yeah, let's say talking. like Alex started writing some weird fanfic. Like, how would you handle him? I think, yeah. you know, to, to each I, his I own, to, to each his own. I mean, stuff gets, you know, co op. When you go in the space, you have to know that you can be co opted kind of at any point. And mm -hmm. you have to be okay with that. And you have to know that you can't really control it. Um, the most you can do and, and really we have like an amazing community and I think over time what you realize is like your community is kind of an immune system to those things and like mm. if if you don't have a good community um, or you don't have people kind of having your back or you don't have maybe like like okay so like one thing that like we're pretty into is like you know, please contribute to our world, please use our stuff, but like, don't duplicate it. That's not really a value add. And, um, generally like, yeah, you can like create your own, you can reference our panels, you can use our panels, but like, if you were to reproduce the book one-to-one -one and reissue it, like that's kind of just strange. I think it's not like additive or anything like that. Um, so generally I think early on when we first started, there was a bit of um, not even like malicious behavior, but more behavior of just like trying to figure out um, how to contribute. And early on, it became clear, like what is an, a value and what isn't. And I think by this point, our community has done really incredible things um, with the uh, Blitmap IP and just all sorts of stuff, stuff that like we would never think about doing, um, things that explore areas of the world that we never even intended to do um and so it, I, I don't know it's something that you kind of uh just there's a bit of luck involved i think but there's definitely a, a community element being a big part of it um, i mean i guess just to take it a step further if somebody did do something like this they're like hey i'm going to use these characters to be crazy racist is yeah. are there protections in place to no shut that I, down? I mean 
to some, I mean, it's not really. I mean, when you go into the public domain, there's not much you yeah. can really, you know. I mean, if someone did that with Alice in Wonderland, there's nothing you can really do about it. If someone did it with King Arthur, there's nothing you can really do about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there would be a market for that, though. I don't think so. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, it's, it's, I think there's also plenty of other stuff to do that with that has a way more interesting following or, or, or kind of like a, a larger following right now and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, you, you are open to those things happening. Um, and, you know, I think we saw some stuff like that happen with a few different public domain IPs. And then those IPs recover, you know, because they basically yeah. had strong support and, and, and things like that. Well, like you said, um, it sort of polices, they police themselves in a way. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to be open to that, you know. Um, and, and I do have uh, one more just sort of logistical question for you. Yeah. How how do you make money on this, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Good question. Good question. Yeah. So I think the general thought that we believe in is that the more people are aware of our brand um, and the more people that are aware of this IP that we contribute to, the next time that we contribute to it, people are going to be really excited about that. Um, just, you know, out of fandom and, and things like that. And I think you know, when you go to Comic-Con, you realize that like 90% of the vendors there are have licensing deals. They don't have original content, but they have like licensing deals. They're licensing mm-hmm. to, to develop merch and they're doing all that stuff. And you realize that they don't have to do that with us. And really that they're just competing on quality when they, when they riff on our stuff. Um, and, you know, we try to bring the highest level of quality. I think, you know, I don't know, there's some fandom to, oh, what's SUP going to do next in this world? How are they going to contribute to it? But I mean, honestly, hopefully over time, there are um, an array of creators, not just us, but others that are, you know, toe and toe, you know, kind of even, you know, competing in a way and just in terms of like all doing amazing stuff. Um, Yeah. That's cool. Uh, Alex, any other uh, questions as Chris's dad? about uh, maybe uh, doing his homework. When this this falls through, what are you going to do for your real job, Chris? What about that medical school thing we talked about, Chris? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'll get you an application. Sup with with law school, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Just to actually wrap up here, though, if people want to get involved, what's the best way of doing that? Where should they go? Yeah, I I think you can... um, you know, follow us on Twitter and you can join our discord and, and jump in. And, um, you know, uh, we also have an email address. Um, hello at sup.xyz. If you want to, you know, send some fan art or things that you've created that, you, you know, hello, based sup. on the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of redundant if you think. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, other than that, you know, just um, we're looking and, you know, for ways to always make it easier to contribute and stuff like that. And, but yeah. And that is Blitmap, is that going to be in comic book stores as well? Or where can so you Blitmap, Blitmap 1 is already in comic stores. Right. I think it, okay. yeah, it hit like number one at Midtown for a bit as a bestseller, yeah, which is right. cool. Midtown. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but, um, and two is going to be December 20th. It's going to be early access at um, Tokyo Comic Con. So I'm mm-hmm. actually going there Friday. I'm going to Tokyo Friday. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's going to be in stores December 20th, number two. And then there's four other issues after that, um, basically at like six week kind of cadences. 
Awesome. Awesome. Um, and let's just say we didn't really talk about the comic on its own, but I, I really enjoyed it. Like Alex, I think Alex said the art's really nice. And there, there is, it, you definitely feel like you're in the middle. And sort yeah. of in the way that's in Star Wars, you're like, oh, there's a lot going on here. I don't know yeah. what's <laughs> happening. But the relationships, you establish a lot in this and, and it's fun. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, we're, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing to, to start with in the middle. But I think as, you know, as issue two, three, and we start to kind of get into the depth and, you know, it, then you're like, okay, now I kind of, you know, I get where this is going and understand that. But I mean, the, the, it was supposed to kind of issue one's meant to kind of ease you in and then complexity and kind of, you know, yeah. dynamic stuff kind of emerges as, as it goes on. Well, it's really awesome, Chris. Yeah, Thank you so much for coming on. A pleasure chatting with you about it. And uh, good luck. For safe travels to Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. Respect right. your nerd wall. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Nice. There we go. Once he again, had to slide it in at the end. Right there at the end. Chris Cepito, thanks for coming on. Check out Flip Map. Check yeah, out it's really Sub cool. Ink. It's it really cool. Very neat. Uh, and great talking to him about it. All right. Yeah. Why don't we bring in really our like net? Issue. What? What are you saying, Pete? I like the first issue. Oh, great! Yeah. Did that impress you as Chris's dad, Alex? Did we? Did you give him a nice uh, what's yeah. up? It, it was you... nice. I think we'll talk more over dinner and see how things Ooh, are going. The dinner talk. Oh, oh, that's boy. gonna be rough. That's gonna be rough. <laughs> Why don't we bring in our next guest? Who I don't think I'm the dad of, but I guess we'll see what happens. They Let's are see. the creators of Heart Attack from Skybound. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Zawadzki and Sean Kittleson. Hello. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. So excited to talk about this book. I remember, I think it was, I mean, whenever the first issue came out, we talked about it. We loved yeah, it. We it. talked about several issues of this, but now it's out in collected form and not only is there the first six issues of the miniseries there's six more issues in this book what oh, a pleasure to read this oh look at that yeah. oh look at that beauty come hey. on hey uh, what a pleasure to read this whole book uh, what a great story it is such a different riff on superheroics mixed through a lot of I guess based on what you wrote it, like very prescient stuff about the world or very present stuff about the world. Um, can you give a little bit of like the pitch of it? So I don't accidentally spoil anything. If you don't mind. <laughs> I have to try to not accidentally spoil anything. Uh, I mean, the, the best way to, to give folks the pitch, I guess, is to say it's a, you know, it's a YA love story at heart. Uh, but it's about a, a near future in Austin, Texas, where uh, a post-pandemic uh, like crisis has led to a world where you've got this this whole generation uh, where half of the the teens uh, have not quite superpowers, right? Teens. They got they got they got these these variations they call them, and their DNA. They're not full mutants, but they're just to the left of having, uh, you know, homo sapiens DNA. So they've been denied human rights uh, and are being oppressed actively. There's a wall built for the variant neighborhood to keep them away from the rest of the normies. Uh, and our leads, Jill and Charlie, are two people who come from completely different angles uh, of being young variants. Like Jill is in the spotlight as an influencer and an activist who is, is rallying for change as part of this organization called the Free Bodies. And you got Charlie, 
who's a kid who's been kicked around the foster system and, and has been on the run and kind of just wants to stick to his own thing and, and stay out of the way of, of the spotlight. Um, but when the two of them meet, they find that when they touch, they have superpowers, which in the world of heart attack, you know, uh, politicians who want to fear monger have said like, oh, you've got to watch out for variants because what if they have powers of mass destruction? That's how they refer to superpowers. It's all about like, what if what if they're really just here to destroy us? Um, and Jill and Charlie have those powers of mass destruction. So now the question becomes, what do they do with them? And because they Charlie wants to run away and hide from the world and Jill wants to be out in the spotlight and changing the world, uh, can they even agree on how to use the powers that they only have when they're together? Um, and really the theme of the, the themes of the book are, they turned out to be way more prescient and, and, yeah. and present uh yes but also oh no <laughs> oh no yeah oh, no. <laughs> yeah like yeah uh, um uh, but uh but yeah it's it's something that started 10 years ago now mm. um and then the book initially drops at the end of 2019 right in time for Perfect. uh pandemic shipping disruptions to <laughs> to cut our run short in the middle and when books started shipping again, I mean, sales had dropped off for a lot of books, including ours. Um, so we were, we were casualties of the pandemic, mm. but um, because we'd already written a second volume, Eric had drawn five of six chapters for the next volume. Uh, he ran off to, to work on some <laughs> Superman books and some uh, house of L books for, for DC with Claudia gray, which are also excellent. I highly recommend those. Uh, and when we could finally, you know, get schedules back and get back to, to finishing the book, uh, here we are now with, with a finished 300 page banger. And it really, like, I want to say like when we first read this and, and reading the full volume, like I, I really love this book. I feel like it's really Thanks. rare to have a, a story where, um, the, uh, this, the love story, the relationship story and the superhero side of it are sort of given equal sway and are great as well as a central metaphor that is is really strong like the idea of their relationship and their powers all becoming one thing so i want to ask how did you develop that like how did that all come together was it uh, sort of all at once like uh waking up out of a dream or were you sort of like keeping it together over time uh, it's the cheesiest uh, story ever. I was I was on a plane and a person sitting near me was watching the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet from the nineties. Oh wow! And yeah. I was watching something else, but I just kept kind of leaning over and watching what they were watching, and and I couldn't hear it at all. But I'm literally just watching it and experiencing it uh, silently, and it affected me. So I'm like crying at the end. <laughs> People are just... like. The this other person's so like, "Yo, dude, stop!" Yeah, <laughs> you're Yo. sobbing next to me. Go back to your own screen. Uh, Go back to your own screen I, and write a graphic novel about right. this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, and I, I did. I got off that flight, and I thought, like, you know, I, I'm working on all kinds of, all kinds of like superhero stuff, and I work on a lot of games. Um, I would love to write a love story, and then, of course, because I've got a dark, twisted heart. Uh, my love story ended up being about how grim the world is <laughs> and, <laughs> and political trends and grounding it in reality. And one thing led to another. And now we have the book that we have. Well, and I, that I person wanna... on the plane next to you, Joe Biden. 
Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Biden's wild. That's wild. Doing big things now. Young Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> young. Young. Young's young. I don't think he was ever right. young. Joe Biden was never young. Yeah, Joe Biden wasn't even young when I was born. Uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> Eric, I do want to ask you about the art in a second, but just one more question about the genesis of the story. Just because I think, I don't know, I, I, I expect with these sort of stories, when you have two characters like this, we've seen it so many times in shows like Pushing Daisies and other things. Uh, there's the whole rogue gambit being in love. They can't touch. Like they want to be together. And that's what makes their love powerful is that tension. You have the opposite thing here where they touch yeah. and that only makes both of them exponentially more power than they are. Why go in that direction? Oh man. Uh, I, I mean, I think just from personal experience, like I'm a hugger. Right? <laughs> I love, I love, to, I love a good hug. Uh, and uh, I wore my, I wore my like K-pop shirt today. So I yeah, could put no, the heart it's on strong. it. Heart I see it. It's a strong but, I love it. but, uh, but no, I, I mean, I've, I've been, uh, not to make it all personal about me, but I've been in a relationship with my wife for 18 years now. Oh. Uh, and uh, I know some of you are married and have kids too. So you, you know what, what it's like. Mm -hmm. But like there's, if she like walks by and just like touches the back of my neck with her fingertips, I still get that like, I'm in love. Like, like <laughs> someone loves me. <laughs> and I good. think that that was something that, that I really wanted to to emphasize is just the power of contact, especially like, mm. you know, even when we started the book, uh, went back 10 years ago, you know, cell phones and social media and, and, you know, 2010s and 2020s culture, we've all become so fragmented. I mean, we're having this interview remote right now, right? We're, we're, we're talking from a distance. So the idea of Jill and Charlie living in that world and finding this contact that was so psychedelic and, and impactful and then giving them power from it. Uh, I just thought that was a really cool way to explore like the things that are actually real in connections and physical chemistry leading to power. That's really sweet. Uh, especially cause I was going to, I was thinking like, it's, you know, when you're in love, it's dramatically interesting to have you driven apart by the your family's Montague and Capulets. I thought you were going to say, but also when you're in love, it can be hard to be with each other all the time. But instead, <laughs> yeah, you have it is. lovely story about how you still have a hot 20-year-on relationship. <laughs> That's to you for that. Uh, well, it's all the dark stuff that that comes with it. But there's also, I mean, I, I really do think there, there ended up being this fun, dramatic tension to work with. If you have two people who could not be more opposite in the things that they want and they should yeah. be pulling apart. But the thing that's going to give them the power to change their lives and, and the world around them is being together. So there's that tension. Uh, well, let's talk about the design of those characters then, Eric, because obviously it's very important to get these two people right because they're not in every single panel, but they're on nearly every page. They're right in front of the center there. So what went into the development of their looks in particular? Uh, well, the, the dynamic that, uh, Sean was going for was, uh, you know, we have one, the, um, one character is basically a streamer front and center, just looking for attention. And the other is trying to recede into the background and hide. So, um, with Charlie, I tried to go kind of plain and, you know, when it comes to his fashion or whatever, a little, um, you know, nothing, uh, nothing too loud, but, uh, with Jill, um, uh, bright red hair. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, interesting fashion, just very loud. Um, so 
Yeah, I was just trying to play with a, a contrast there, which was uh, an important part of the story. I well, think one of the uh, uh, oh, yeah. things that Go you ahead. really conveyed uh, really well is the kind of first touch the you know, all those kind of like action panels, those kind of like uh, a bunch. I was really impressed with the way you kind of conveyed power and kind of the feeling that I as the reader felt when they did touch for the first time. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, that was that was something that uh, Sean had in the script was he, he really wanted to convey visually. We're trying to compliment of... you. Stop bringing up Sean for a second. <laughs> Would you please like, just, you know, let us know how but you were. Sean's waiting for his wife to touch his neck. So yeah. like, <laughs> Eric, this is your time. Sorry, I didn't mean uh, to cut you off. No, I mean, he, um, uh, Sean had a, a full vision, which I was, uh, I, I was there for. Um, obviously I, I, uh, played with it in, uh, um, ways, uh, like I added uh, depth to it visually, but uh, the foundation was like uh, um, visually sell the butterflies in your stomach from meeting mm-hmm. the love. It's hard to do. You guys did it. Uh, well, it, Sean, then from a script perspective, I mean, I think what Pete is asking about, and I think what Eric is talking about here is when they use the powers at certain point, when they're touching, you literally see cross sections of them. You see muscle, yeah. you see bone. There's without getting too much of spoilers, there's one scene where two skeletons are having sex. Yeah. What it's what awesome. led to boning. it's Get amazing. It. They're uh, yes, they're boating. There we go. We nailed it. Well, show over. <laughs> we we peaked. Uh, what led to that visual riff then? Like from the script perspective, and then Eric, uh, just talk a little bit more about kind of fleshing that out. No pun intended. Well, uh, <laughs> since, since I know that we can we can cuss some. There, there we go. There's boning. Uh, yeah, that's boning. Bone, bone. I'm, I love I'm you had that really bookmarked. Either <laughs> yeah, you were like, oh, I know where that panel is. Like, I got it. Boom. Boom. Oh man, uh, this is my life for like uh, two, three years, so I can like zone in on whatever. Uh, like, oh, that's when that I drew this page when I was feeling sick. Uh, <laughs> he, he knows it. He knows it by heart. Um, the I mean the the not to admit to any uh, felonies, uh, but no. but you know if you've ever had a psychedelic experience. Um, mm. Uh, with a with a really heavy dose <laughs> of some where you kind of break through reality you you definitely come away with this sense of like wow there's really so we're, we're only seeing one layer of things well what if i could see all the molecules all at once and of course uh, that that's why i'm a big alex gray fan because i'm like oh man that alex gray is the only person i ever saw paint something that looks like what i see on dmt uh <laughs> and uh and so i think i threw like the alex gray reference into, into the script there and and eric really took that and but made it his own uh and it was the idea that like yeah when, when these when these two touch the connection is is on a cellular level it's it's something that you know every neuron is firing and, and every electron uh that that's passing through is is shared in that moment uh, and so like Eric, Eric took it. I mean, it's such a, Eric's way too humble, but there are so many things where like my expectations were down here and Eric always drew way up here because I would never ask an artist for the level of detail or the complexity of, of panel layouts that, that Eric 
put in, I would always feel like, ah, they're going to hit me for this. Like, I don't want the artist to hate me. I want them to like me. But Eric would be like, you're not making it hard enough. I want to go to level 10. And, and he would just take it up. So I think he really put all that extra detail in there and you feel it. You feel the density of, of each page, even when it's a, a splash. Um, yeah. you, you really feel the love and care that he put in, which is probably why you can zero in on any page, Eric, because you spent time on it. Like you didn't <laughs> rush through. Well, Eric, then what is a higher level of difficulty? What's a level 10? Is it two skeletons having sex or is it enormous crowd scenes, which seem mm -hmm. a level of difficulty of their own? Oh yeah, definitely the crowd scenes, <laughs> <laughs> which I, uh, I, I didn't skimp, uh, I didn't cheat at all. You know. <laughs> a lot of that stuff. No, you don't. I mean, for anybody who has read it, there's, um, I was about to say convention, but like an outdoor festival. And I could not believe the amount of people that were packed into oh, all of those yeah. pages. It's, oh, wild. I mean, issue six has a, a protest. And mm -hmm. then um, just like, oh, that's just getting warmed up because <laughs> if five issues later, we're going to have an entire concert. <laughs> yeah. We, I, we hadn't written like the rest of the, the book, you know, like I, I wrote the first six six chapters before Eric came on and then Eric came on and started drawing. And once I saw what he could do, I mean, it, it really fundamentally changed how I approached the back half of the book because I was like, well, I guess I can ask him to draw a whole music festival. <laughs> like, oh, let's wow. go. He's, he's, he's going to do it. Uh, and, uh, and those are, I mean, really like the, those bigger crowd scenes, I think are some of Eric's best work in the book because they they show off it's not just about the visual complexity of having you know hundreds or thousands of, of figures on the page but it's about the way it still feels coherent and you can follow the sequence and it feels like the passage of time is real in in this space because the way that the panels are used the way that the way that the characters uh pass through them uh gives you that sense of wow we're now we're going into slow motion okay now we're back at at normal speed time is oh shoot time's moving really fast now we're clipping through a montage like eric eric did an amazing yeah job there there stuff. was a specific thing i did there which was uh i wanted in, in that one issue there was a huge climax so i wanted to start with a i wanted to create like a ramp up to the the big you know splash page page climax so you, you I, I go six panels uh, there are sort of six panel grid and then like, um, you know, eight panel grid. It just keep on adding panels every page so that the audience would feel, you know, this is building, 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 building. And then, you know, by the time you're at like a 16 panel grid, the next page is a splash page and you, it, it, it like hits you like a ton of bricks. Mm. Could you Which talk about the, a oh, lot sorry. more difficult when uh, it's a lot of crowd scenes. So 12 mm. panel grid and, a crowd scene in every panel. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, Sean, I wanted to ask you about the powers. I mean, I think I know the answer here, but for anybody, again, who hasn't read it, she has tactile telekinesis. He has flame powers, which are very light to start, but get heavier when they start to touch. Why these specific powers for these characters? Um, I, I wanted the powers to feel really grounded. Um, yeah, I, I started my career at, at working at DC Comics, so I spent a lot of time with like cosmic level uh, powers and and you know thinking about what what could Superman do, what could Wonder Woman do, um, and I really wanted to to 
make the relationship feel as real as possible. It felt like, well, how how real can I make the powers? How can I dial things in? And tactile telekinesis was always a thing with uh, with uh, Superboy with with Connell, mm-hmm. uh, yes. right? Where, where he's Famously. like. I, yeah, I will like, never forget that when that, all that stuff happened, he was like, well, I'm not really Superman, but I have tactile telekinesis. I was like, yo, that sounds, sounds so cool. cool. <laughs> I know, so I cool. But then it also, it made me wonder, it's like, how, why does he have muscles then? Because he doesn't need muscle strength. <laughs> He's just yeah. lifting stuff with a fingertip. But the, the brain, idea of that. The muscle. Right? Oh, yeah, and that's where it, it seemed like, okay, for to have to have a character who I wanted the powers to feel really minor. It's like, what would be the opposite of, of, you know, someone who can just throw cars around with her mind. It's like, Oh, tactile telekinesis. She can pick a lock maybe by like pressing your finger against the lock. And then once she touched, she and Charlie, Charlie touched, then she could throw cars around and do all that stuff. And likewise, Charlie, it was like, well, I, I would love to have like some really destructive power, uh, cause again, it's, it's, I, I wanted them to feel the responsibility of what if you had powers of mass destruction and you represent this group that every, you know, uh, uh, fear mongering politician out there is trying to tell people like, oh, they're just going to kill us. They're all terrorists, like living in your backyard. Like they're, they're terrible. What if you found out you're like, I could blow up the city if I wanted to. Oh, oh no. <laughs> like, I think that's. That, that kind of power could be frightening. So just dialing it back then to like, all right, well, what's that power like when they're not touching? It's like, like probably heat up a coffee just by holding <laughs> well, the <dog. laughs> And that's what I like about it. Like the, the sort of passion, both powers sort of have emotional quotients to them in a really nice way. And it, it really Definitely. matches with, with everything else. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but in terms of the continuity of when this came out, obviously it had a weird release schedule getting coming out 2019 and then stopping. And now you have the whole thing here. There are a lot of things in this book that feel very resonant with events that happened between 2019 and now did anything change in terms of those final six issues or was that just what it is? And you you got very lucky. No, I mean, those six issues were more or less written before the end of 2019 Um, and and eric was already off to the races and drawing by the time the pandemic happened and so the only the only material that's that's more recent uh is is uh the the articles and and social media posts and stuff that are that are are in between the chapters um Mm. so some of that stuff uh be you know i drew from from some more contemporary sources uh for inspiration but uh the story itself was something that really like it 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 started it started with me looking around the rest of the world and being like there are some trends there are some trends and in, in you know mass protest uh you know fights fights for for equal rights and and uh just an equity and justice uh there there are trends in pandemics like bird flu was a thing h1n1 was the thing when yeah. when he was conceiving the book uh uh genetic editing uh crispr cas9 was had recently been discovered when i was pitching the the book 10 years ago so all of that stuff 
ended up coming to fruition in, in a much bigger and more present way. But so let me just ask you, do you have any predictions for the future? Any ideas? <laughs> oh, man. Or anything? Oh. Just, just saying real quick. Just saying real quick. I wish I could. I thought I did. And then 2016 happened and I was like, I am never calling an election going to bed. At the end, <laughs> I'm just going to wake up in hell. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the- I think- Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, uh, go for it. I was just going to ask about the end of the story uh, without getting into spoilers too much. There's definitely more that you could tell at the end there. It's very open. Um, I know the book, relatively speaking, just came out about month, month and a half ago or so. Yeah. Um, is that something you have in mind? Is there a continuation there, a heart attack too? Uh, a little, a little, a yes, and a little, we'll see. Like, like mm-hmm. there's... I wanted to to have at least the feeling of a complete story in terms of like Jill and Charlie and 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 giving their relationship an arc that we could follow and and have some satisfaction when we close the book that like they've they've where where they're at uh, feels like a logical landing place for for where they've been. Um, but I also I think you know Eric and I would love to to do more like and certainly like the fact that we've got a live action series uh based on the book shooting in japan next year um is is pretty exciting Um, that's helpful that that will help so so i think you know if if the book if the book really finds an audience and, and i hope it does then then we get to do more but i also think that you know just in terms of storytelling there's such a desire to put like a pat ending on something sometimes and to 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 really shut the book on things and that just doesn't feel authentic. And I think growing up as comics fans, like we we think of stories as these ongoing serial things. And in the spirit of keeping the book grounded and feeling as much like real life as we could get a book about a near future where uh, variant mutant types are oppressed, uh, that, that we could have something that felt like, all right, life is going to go on. There's no perfect ending to be and found. There's always work. Like the fight goes on. There's always yeah. work to do. Yeah, there's always more pages to draw, uh, um, even when you're sick. Uh, I don't know how much you can talk about this further, but as you mentioned, there is a TD adaptation that's being done by, I believe, Fuji TV. It was announced back yep. in September. Cool. Um, and so just to be clear, it's going to be on Japanese TV. So it's not like they're shooting it in Japan, taking it here. It's a Japanese adaptation of Heart Attack, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> trippy. So <laughs> how involved are both of you in that and what is that again whatever you can talk about i feel like the story is it's set in austin it feels very american so what potentially has to change about it to make it work for japanese tv and there's there's uh it's it's being filtered through a japanese cultural lens right Mm -hmm. like by a japanese creative team and and they've got some really incredible writers and directors and uh, they're assembling a cast that i I think is going to be really exciting um but it's it was interesting to me as i remember when i first got the news and and even telling eric i I think both our reaction was like really like they want it (laughs) they want to do that in japan like is that is that thing but i think it's the 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 love story actually like achieved the goal of making it feel universal and 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 relevant no matter no matter who you are where you're coming from and i think that because it wasn't just inspired by a 
American political themes or, or, but it was, it was inspired by things that I think are, are themes that, that we're seeing uh, cascade around the globe. Uh, it had a, a special resonance uh, that, that uh, a Japanese audience could vibe with. So we're, I mean, we're involved in so far as like checking things out and giving our blessings. And uh, I, I hope to, to go out and be there for some of the shoot and, and, rap with everyone insofar as i can rap with folks not speaking <laughs> japanese fluently uh but you got time but I, I, right that duolingo going it's the time it's the time to study winter break is coming up let's go uh but i also i i think i think we're we're being pretty generous in terms of the spirit of hey like if you japan if you want heart attack like make it make it your own, like mm-hmm. and and let's let's see how far they go. So I think there will be some things that you'll recognize, like that is straight out of the book. Wow, word word for word, they they took it. And then there are other elements where it's like, wow, they really inverted that and mm. went in another direction cool. because it seemed to speak more uh, for a Japanese audience. Is there any talk of an American adaptation as well, or is it all focused on the Skybound's ambitions are boundless. Let me <laughs> uh, That's the whole thing. I, I think there's definitely that dream, and for sure, like the the Japanese bring the Japanese series to uh, to the West uh, and exposing yeah. uh, American and European uh, audiences to it is is definitely uh, on the agenda. It's the best time in the world to have a series in another country and then be like, well, what do you think about this, gang? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm watching insane. like 30 coins out of Spain yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. I watch a bunch of K-dramas and, and, and J-dramas. No doubt. And You're stuff, wearing it so. on your chest. I know. I'm wearing my twice <laughs> yeah. shirt. So, like, my, my cred is real. Your cred. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eric, are you watching any foreign stuff? Do you watch French programming since you live in Canada? Uh, no, I wish I had more time to watch it. I mean, um, CBC, but, uh, CBC is Degrassi, Degrassi, Jr. Letter Kenny is unbelievable. Yeah, oh, there you go. Pete <laughs> sliding that Letter Kenny rap in is that? Uh, still watching uh, movies from the seventies right now, so I've got a lot of catching up to do. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you got to watch the ball in order, otherwise you won't understand. Eventually, Jurassic Park. I don't want to ruin anything. <laughs> yeah, no spoilers. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, Sean, I wanted to ask you one unrelated question. You wrote, I believe, the dialogue for Omni Man in Mortal Kombat. Is that correct? Yeah, Robert and I got to got to tag team on that one. That was a lot wow, of fun. Cool. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you've written a bunch of video games before, but what what is involved in something like that? Like, you have a character in a game like Mortal Kombat. Are you writing different branching dialogue trees? How how do you tackle it? So uh, I was I was the narrative lead on Mortal Kombat 11. So I'd, I'd written an entire Mortal Kombat game before, um, and and on Injustice 2. So I I I worked oh, on wow. Wow. bringing guest characters in and and I knew that well. I did Spawn for for MK11. That was ah, for for a comic. Nice. That was one of my favorite moments of all time. Um, and getting a hug because I love hug getting a hug from Todd McFarlane. Wow, of course you got that hug. That, that McFarlane was a hug. And he slid, a, my, oh, he's, my... he's, he's, he slid a toy in your pocket, right? That's <laughs> that would have been so dope if he slid me a toy and then like drew a sketch for it. But, but in any case, like with Omni-Man, I mean, Robert really loves Mortal Kombat. 
Uh, and so he, he like volunteered, like, we'll write it too. And then he, he and I were talking and I was like, so, so if you're going to write it, here's, here's what you got to do. And he's like, he wrote the last game, right? Like, let's do this together. And I was just like, you want me? You sure? You sure? And yeah, was, uh, he was very, very gracious about it. So that was a lot of fun. It was the most, uh, the, the thing that we had to dial in was just like, where's Omni-Man coming from? Like if, when right. he's landing in this world, because we're writing all of these dialogues of him fighting other characters and seeing what that feels like writing an ending of like, okay, like we're really going to see like, what does Omni-Man do in the, the MK universe? Um, and so the, the, it was, it was Robert who was like, well, let's, let's have him coming, you know, straight out of the end of season one of Invincible. Uh, wow. And, and Mark had just had the fight and he's leaving earth and that's, that's where his head is at. So, you know, we wrote it all from that perspective of like, Oh, this is an Omni-Man who's like still really bought in to, to, to Viltrum and the mission, but is also feeling kind of conflicted because he couldn't kill his half human son. Wow. Yo, I love, leave it to Robert to find the entry point for a potential like comic series like there's a perfect yeah. like see, he, he flies around and he's wandering for a bit he just wanders into mortal Kombat, and then out. yeah Kills yeah him. and i do i do think that you know the the team at nether realm studios having worked with them i knew they would pull it off and, and make it amazing but i remember being in the fatality meeting with them because there are meetings about <laughs> it's, a, it's a real so thing funny. you go i through. love that insider <laughs> shit right there so we're, we're in the fatality meeting, meeting and oh shit babe and, i got a fatality meeting get your hands off my neck yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. that was did you that double was book thing. that with my babality meeting because i can't do those both at the same time. <laughs> but i remember with the team uh robert being like you know i i I don't want to just go for the memes, but if we could do the subway, it would be really cool. And you saw everyone lean back and go, that's going to be really, really hard. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. We'll give it a try. We'll give it a try. And then like, you know, it, there's a lot of tech involved in getting that kind of fatality to work. Um, But the fact that they pulled it off and that it is so note perfect as it is, is I think one of the coolest things that I've ever been a part of. Nice. Amazing. Uh, and sorry, we got a quick question here and then I'll let you guys go. This is from Nelson Kelso. Speaking of MK1, who wins Omni-Man versus Homelander? I mean, I'm hopelessly biased, so of course it's Omni-Man. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's way older. He's got so much more experience, so many mm-hmm. more kills under his belt. Uh, Mustache. Definitely. Yeah, mustache. Mustache wins. <laughs> mustache wins. That's a great note to end on. Guys, congratulations on all the success. Yeah. Love the book. I d- fingers crossed. I do hope there is more of it because I got very excited by the end. Love Regardless, I'll be flying to Japan to watch the series or waiting for it to come. Smart. Here. Yeah, that's a good idea. Good. That's <laughs> awesome. awesome. Field trip. Well, thank yeah. you guys for having us so much. Really yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much. It. Yeah. yeah. Have care, a great guys. night. Congratulations. Later. All right, there we go. Once again, the book is called Heart Attack. It's from Skybound. It is out right now in bookstores everywhere. 12 amazing issues, six of which you never saw in comic book stores before. So it's very cool. Uh, Thank you for Sean and Eric coming on to chat about that. And folks, we are going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section because you make it up. It is your audience question. Yes, let's go. is drop a question in the comments either on youtube twitch or facebook 
not X Twitter, because that site is uh, getting more, more sketchy by the day, guys. Very weird, true, very weird stuff. That. But as we always do while we're waiting for everybody's questions, uh, we talk about a drink that we're having. This week's drink was curated once again by Brett Macris, a.k.a. Stray Bullet. Stray Bullies professional chef out of new orleans and he designed a welcome drink for thanksgiving that he posted in our patreon slack uh and it is uh totally delicious i don't know if you made this one justin but i didn't i made a uh tequila negroni basically mm. so this is gin cranberry juice a little uh, i use contro because that's what i had but you had triple sec little rosemary and an orange peel in there and um, you can add prosecco i added a little spritz of sparkling water Ooh, uh, it's right. very delightful very refreshing a little i feel like i'm ready for thanksgiving all over again wow that's nice um yes. I, like i said i and i'm i assume i'm the only one drinking labat blue obviously here oh dude you got blue light bro <laughs> wow look Pete, at why are you drinking buddies. my beer you're drinking my beer. Yes. no man i've been drinking this beer before you i'm older bro oh man wow, all right you. we got a couple of questions here so why don't we get to them this is from michael tillman which willy wonka golden ticket contestant are you Ooh. wow easy answer i mean alex uh sorry pete is obviously veruca salt uh no <laughs> doubt he wants an oompa loompa now um i'm mike tv or no sorry alex is mike tv yeah i i was gonna go with mike tv i don't know if i've got like that well ha thing going on but i like TV. You know, you're often you're often you don't see this because we're recording our other podcast but alex often shows up with a two-gun holster and a little hat on so he's definitely <laughs> like that's true mm -hmm. and i'm charlie obviously <laughs> oh come Ooh. on no. main, main character energy <laughs> no you're the blueberry girl Yes. Uh, Can you just real quick for me say, I want it, Daddy. Give it to me, Daddy. Yeah. I want it, Daddy. Give it to me. Let's I see. want an Oompa Loompa <laughs> now, Daddy. Yes. Great. Great question, Michael. Yeah, this is from song. Kevin. What are your favorite completely out-of-context appearances of comic book characters outside of comics? Assume this is tied into the whole Homelander and Omni-Man showing up in Mortal Kombat thing. Uh, what do you guys think? That's a tough question because, you know, you don't hear a lot of the out of context. I guess this is from years ago, but in uh, the Stan Lee appearance in Mallrats was as a young guy was mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I was like, what? And everyone takes this seriously like me. They talk about and think about this, like uh, the potential uh, sexual encounters of these different superheroes. Uh, so that was a, a bit of revelatory for me. Yeah, uh, I gotta agree with Michael Tillman on this one. Uh, Chris Evans' appearance in Fall Guy was uh, was pretty awesome. Free guy, yes. Free guy, yeah. Sure. Um, I don't know the Flash on SNL. I think that's what Kevin wants us to get to, right? What? <laughs> Why? Kevin, Kevin always has an agenda, and it always has something to do with 1970s television. So I'm just gonna say the Flash on SNL. So there we go. Oh, wow. wow. That's wow. quite a, a burn, I want to say. I don't, know. I, I don't know what it is. Great. I don't know what it is anymore. I'm sorry. Stanley says, how were your Thanksgivings? Anything memorable happen? Mm. Uh, I'll say half, more than half of our guests all got sick and couldn't come. So mm. we ended up cooking for a ludicrous amount of people instead of two guests. So I've been eating casseroles for days, baby. Wow. Oh, that's great. 
Um, let's see. Uh, mine was a pretty fun, normal Thanksgiving. Um, I will say I uh, record. I had to slash was happy to. Rec- I booked a voiceover for Applebee's. So if you hear oh. an Applebee's commercial, I had to record it on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving in way of stay in New York. I had to go to a stranger's house to use their internet and build a weird <laughs> studio around myself to record it. So if you hear my voice screaming and riblets, uh, sometime in the next few months. Oh man, your, now I'm hungry, thinking. dude. That's your Just you say that. It's working. Makes me want to go get ribs. Oh, my man. role is excited friend number two. So wow. please, you killed it. it, man. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome, <laughs> Pete. What about you? How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was a uh, it was a good one. I mean, you know, uh, every year we kind of tweak uh, the turkey recipe a little bit. We uh, deep fried in peanut oil, so we do like Creole. Oh, I love when you shout out the oil, Pete. You always shouting out the oils. Hey, you gotta uh, do peanut it right, oil, man. your veggie oil, like shout. You got you got to do it right. You got to do it right. Um. So yeah, it was super juicy, and Mom killed it on the. Uh, Chocolate pecan pie this year, so it, I was chocolate good. pecan. That's decadence. <laughs> you know, I was eating good in the neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> and riblets and riblets. Oh, I'm so hungry now, man. <laughs> this is from all the game. Do y'all remember at the start of the year how you thought this year's comic book movies would be critically rated? Who got it right? Ooh, Ooh a little bit of revisionist question. history potentially here. Um. Gosh, I don't know. Just working through them, I, I feel I, honestly, like we were... I don't remember. How we well, so just thinking through, I think we were like, Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be big, and it was. Yep. And um, I think we were iffy about Ant Man, and that turned out to be iffy. The Flash. Well, I'm we definitely. Like... The, I feel like I'm the least excited about Ant Man in general. So I think yeah. that paid off. Uh, Blue Beetle, we were excited about, but not sure how it was going to do. And that seems to be correct. Um, I think the Marvels we were mixed about, right? Uh, Yes. And I think it actually proved, not to say we were right, but it proved to be mixed. Like it was a movie that Mm -hmm. was a notable notable failure, but was actually better than than we thought it was going to be. So, So that's sort of right. Uh, and then we got the flash. I think we, I, I think we probably thought the flash was going to be not quite the disaster commercially that it was. Right? Yes. I remember I, were we positive about the flash back then? I don't remember. You guys like the flash. I did not like the flash. The movie. No, but, I mean, in our, yeah. in our oh, prediction, take it easy. The movie, not the. Character. Well, it's funny. I was thinking the other day, there was this whole discussion when Titans did their multiverse thing. And I think we had a big, or I had a big discussion on the Patreon Slack, and I think Justin, you and I talked about it on the podcast a little bit, about like, oh, that Titans thing, that's like a janky version of what they're going to do in The Flash. Turns out The Flash was a janky version of what they did on Titans. (laughs) (laughs) What a a turnaround. Yeah, whoops. (laughs) Whoops across the board. A lot of whoopses there. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is Aquaman 2, which obviously we don't know about. I feel like there's definitely one that I'm forgetting there. Oh, Shazam 2. I think Blech. I don't know. The Shazam, yeah. Shazam too. And oh yeah. And Black Adam was last year, right? Or that wasn't this year. Yeah, that was last year. 
I think. Was it? No, maybe no, it was maybe this it year. No, maybe it was this year. I think it was this year. I think it was this year because people keep being like, wow, that was the number one DC movie this year. Yes, Uh-oh. exactly. They're using it as a sad counterpoint to all their flash. Hold on. Aquaman 2 hasn't come out yet, so let's just hold off here a little bit. Very curious. If this movie does well, it's going to literally shake the foundations of my understanding of human humanity. Yeah, I really so, don't uh, think it's, I, I don't know. One thing that I was thinking about, I mean, this is a little off topic. Actually, it's on topic. But I was thinking about how, like, I know I always beat this drum that I think the general public doesn't care about slash doesn't understand the difference between DC and Marvel still. Yeah. And one thing that I haven't seen written about anywhere or talked about anywhere is I think the general failure of DC movies has also very much hurt Marvel movies. Like, I know we talk about it in this blanket superhero fatigue, but Marvel's would have done better if there hadn't been three absolute failures of DC movies right before that. Yeah, I actually would throw the opposite. I feel like most people consider it all MCU. I think mm-hmm. the failure stink has landed on MCU much harder than dcu in a weird way uh so like yeah but i agree with you completely that's why like if and the, the, i will say the trailer for Aquaman 2 is pretty dope the most recent one like mm-hmm. i it's fun i do not the first movie i definitely did not enjoy so like i don't know wait till you go to the second one bro this movie could be better or it could just be a good trailer because the movie's probably way 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 too long so they had a lot of fodder for the trailer but uh, if this movie crushes, I, I truly think it's going to upend so much stuff. <laughs> uh, here's here's my prediction about that movie based on the trailers. I think the Jason Momoa, Patrick Wilson buddy comedy thing is going to be very fun. The rest of it is going to be nonsense garbage. That's the first one to me. I was like, what see. is happening here? <laughs> so, we will see. And I love stuff that happens under the sea. So, like, that's what's great. <laughs> we got a great one from Nelson says, what are you guys pitching for your brand new fatality in your next fatality meeting? A drowning in garbage plates, perhaps? Pete, I think Ooh. that's a great one for you. Well, that's not a fatality. That's how I'm going to die. Oh, yeah, that's uh, your own fatality? fatality. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's Pete's um, actual. I'm gonna happily die that way. Uh, uh, I don't yeah, know. What he are, will. What he will drown in garbage plates, and he'll say, "Pete LePage wins." <laughs> <laughs> uh, do I talk people to death? Is that what I do? Yeah. Uh, no, I read the. People, um, yeah. I read a dictionary cipher style to you until you're dead. Which honestly wouldn't take that long. Yeah, I don't think this is how fatalities work. I don't think it's a specific. It's yeah, what the, you do. I think right? uh, that's what I'm saying. You would have you the do. shears. You would use the shears. No, Justin would do a a classic rendition of to be or not to be, and the person would die. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And he, he uses their devastating. Skull. He it's rips off their yeah, skull, oh, and then that's no yeah. good. Uh, now, we got a question here that is a tee-up, if I've ever heard one. This is from Stray Bullet. says, how's Pete's comic wall coming in the new house? Pete, I don't know oh. if you have the comic wall up here where you're filming right now, but I believe you have something else you could oh, show I- I'm off, so sorry. No, Pete in, so Pete's been institutionalized. He's clearly in a padded <laughs> cell. He has no – there's no uh, – for those of you listening at home, there's a two shades of gray wall behind Pete in his new home. Beautiful. There it is, the, uh, the new. 
Oh, what a short new, glimpse. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just giving you a little taste of the uh, new Punisher shrine there. Um, yeah, and then the other side of me, which I realized um, uh, too late, uh, is I should have set that up behind me, uh, is all my comic books. Uh, so I can give you a slow rotation. Oh, yeah. Yo, gotta... yo, that's so crazy. You're the biggest comic wall guy, and your comics are <laughs> Oh, my God, Pete. <laughs> Flip around your next time. Yeah, next time. I, I, yeah, you know, next time. Next time. You know what I mean? You don't always I just fill think, it right I just think it's insane that you blew time. this. It's insane yeah. that you blew this. All you think about is the wall is wall porn. And yeah. the fact that you've got uh, the only blank wall in your home <laughs> is the wall behind you. Yeah, insane. yeah. I didn't set it up. I mean, I set it up nicely because I get to look at the comics, but uh yeah. Of course, you're greedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. We got a couple others here. This is what we probably can't answer. As a professional chef, I just want to know what the fuck is a riblet. <laughs> it is. That's well, what's a riblet at Applebee's? Because I know with the rib sandwiches at McDonald's, it's just like reconstituted meat put in the shape of a rib. Yeah, I think it's the worst ribs, really. <laughs> It's so no, it's actually sorry to be very, and I hope this isn't. I just want to be real and like straight up and, and joyful about it. It's the ribs of Piglet from Winnie the Pooh. They're ribs. Oh, <laughs> oh, bother. Oh, oh bother so my body. Uh, all right. Well, that is it for your audience questions. <laughs> we are going to move on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. It's the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars to Midtown Comics Online. Because if you had 25 bucks, you'd go buy some comic books. Uh, so, yeah, we just need a first hand up or a, hey, make Kevin do it. Or, or a uh, sup. You, Maybe a sup. A sup, Inc. Sup, Inc. A sup, Inc. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Could, could or we anime? could get one of you guys to uh, do it, and uh... no, someone's gonna jump in. Sure, it is. I will top. mention it is Giving Tuesday. Yeah, let's do something. So, for that. we absolutely could. I mean, that's give to literally anything. But uh, the stuff I donate to is the ACLU or Planned Parenthood. Be happy to donate to that. All right, um, Michael Tillman. Oh, or Michael Tillman. Michael Tillman. I'm gonna donate to the Michael Tillman charity for Michael Tillman. All right, on this great. Giving Tuesday. Uh, Michael, just comment in the comments, and here we go. All right, today's trivia is on comic book quotes, and a small nod to the legend, Suzanne Shepard, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Oh. That's right, quotes. Uh, switching it up a little bit. Here we go. Oh. Question number one. Who said, I love the smell of 300,000... 844 pancakes in the morning. Mm. It smells like victory. Was it A, Plastic Man, B, Deadpool, or C, Ron Payne? Mm. Uh, Pete, I, you know, I, I started a comic book quotes uh, podcast that where I'm oh, like, if you could actually just leave Every my lane. Every time I try to get something new and fresh, you guys just take it away. B is it B? It is B. Well wow. done. Nice. Oh. No, go no some, hint. Yeah, I tried to go with some gotcha uh, stuff here. All right, here we that go. Is not a, that is not a gotcha. Just to be. No, clear. I, I also knew that one. <laughs> well, yeah, come I on. That. I mean, Plastic Man could have said something like that. He didn't yeah. though. That's he didn't. true. That's the thing. All right, here we go. Who said this? 
doesn't take the, a doctor of theology to know they are not doing the Lord's work. Was it A, Dr. Strange, B, the Punisher, or C, Gina Doctor? Wow, what a twist at the end there. I have a strong guess here, even though I don't know what this is. You you do? You do? You think maybe? Wow, shouts to, while we're having a second, shouts to Billy Coyle on Facebook. Look at those sons of gun. That's us, guys. <laughs> that is us. We got to do another one of those. Yes, there's point. lots to talk about. Yeah. Michael Tillman says, how about Dr. Doctor? Uh, doctor? Strong, yes. Doctor? Doctor? Doctor, 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 Mr. MD. Uh, we'll give it to the Punisher said that, obviously. Yes. Obviously, right. the Punisher. I mean, who's making this quiz? All right, here He's we go. Always, last who, one. who has a shrine in their house? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Pete, are you going to turn your entire house into a shrine for the Punisher? I, I feel like I maybe be, not a good idea. But yeah, that'd be just a little curious. bit much. Just a big skull on the front yeah, of the page. A bunch of guns hanging everywhere. Maybe for Halloween. Okay, here we go. Last one. Who said this? All men have limits. I ignore mine. Was it A, Iron Man, B, Batman, or C, Elaine Brumka? Mm. Yeah. Iron Man, Batman, same guy, basically, though, right? Yeah. They're both oh. rich, and that's it. Yeah, mm. they're both rich. Mm. Parents not alive. Same thing. <laughs> uh, oh, just as a side note, Straight Bullet says, I want to take the secret Punisher Shrine quiz. Is that anything? Oh yeah, I don't have that yet. But uh, uh, oh, you as far as the quizzes go, Justin's the next person to have a secret quiz. B Batman is B Batman. Is, it is. It is B Batman. Wow! Congratulations, Michael. Shoot us an email. We are going to get you twenty five dollars to Midtown Comics. And Pete, what was the secret movie? The nineteen eighty nine banger comedy Uncle Buck. Wow. Great. Which character was any, was any of those people that you named? <laughs> well, the I, character that we were paying homage to is the part where he goes, there's a quarter, have a rat uh, and all that off. The best, maybe the best line from the movie. Oh, and a yeah. movie of great lines. That is truly, I was like, you can say that to people? Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as we all know, new comic books are coming out this week, as they yeah. do every week. Pete, what are you looking forward to? Oh, man, it's a great week for comics. I'm looking forward to Titans Beast World number one. As really? Well as, oh, yeah, Ooh. as well as Berserker Fallen Empire number one. Uh, yep. I was going right. to say Berserker, which is a banger read. Yeah. Um, sort of across the board. Uh, I got to say, I really enjoyed almost all of the comics this week i feel wow. like, like i know that's a crazy statement but um in our stack podcast we're gonna talk about a lot of them and i really enjoyed a lot of them i gotta shout out the local man number seven one of my favorite mm. books on the oh, stands man. right now uh which is fantastic about a, a if you haven't read it it's about a guy from a young blood style team and what happens to him years later as he moves back to his hometown as a failure also want to shout out what's the furthest place from here doing a huge issue of big mythology building that I think we've all been waiting for a little bit. So very excited about those two books. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to a bunch of Marvel stuff. I'll say X-Men Blue Origins, number one. Mostly ah, I've been loving Uncanny so Spider-Man. That book has been so good. So uh, they had like a little cutaway in the last issue where they said, and then they had Mystique and Nightcrawler have a conversation. Check out this issue to see what happens. 
gotta read that issue. Okay. Also, I'm very hesitant about this, but there are three issues from the Gang War storyline that is kicking off with Amazing Spider-Man and Luke Cage and Spider-Woman. So curious to check that out as well. All of that is going to be at our Stack Podcast, which comes Wednesday at 9 a.m. in mm. the Comic Book Club feed and its own dedicated Stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to yep. thank. We want to thank Sean Kittleson and Eric Zawadinsky, Zawadinsky, excuse me, for coming on to talk about Skybound's yeah. Heart Attack. That's in stores now. Also, Chris Cepino from Sup Inc. for talking about Blitmap. That is also in comic book stores, or you can check it out online. Sup Inc. It's a very cool, interesting project. Sup, Next week, Ed Brubaker is going to be <laughs> here on the show. What? I know. To talk about the new book, Where the Body Was with Sean Phillips. Cannot wait to talk to him about that. Bunch of other things. Plug Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast, our Scott Pilgrim podcast, uh, trucking our way through Scott Pilgrim Takes Off on Netflix. Also, Comic Book Club News, our daily news podcast every day, every weekday. Podvincible, our invincible podcast for the Omni Man conversation. Just finished yeah. up the first half of the season there. Patreon.com slash comic book club support the show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, or the app of your choice at comic book live on Twitter slash X comic book club live on TikTok and Instagram comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time. Good night. 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 Good